welcome to Mitty's Witties. I have battled back and forth about whether to discuss what we are going to discuss today because I hate starting our first real actual episode off on such a negative, but I'm not sure we can just completely ignore what our country just went through in January and in the beginning of February. Yes, I am going to discuss the events of January 6th, which led to impeachment number two. I told you that we would discuss hard topics, and so that is exactly what I need to do. We won't stay there, but we are going to discuss it. I'm going to be very, very, very clear here. The roughly 100 to 200 truly unruly people that caused a problem, if they were violent in any way to anyone at any time, stole any items, were in unauthorized areas, or in any way committed an actual crime, those people need to pay heavily for what they did. I have no tolerance for that. None. I do not care who they are, who they were involved with, what group they belong to, period. Let's find them, charge them, and punish, punish them to the fullest extent of the law. That is, I cannot state that any clearer. That is exactly how I feel. But let's first acknowledge the time that it takes to really fully understand any event. There have been people who have compared, definitely not me, but people who have compared what happened on January 6th to 9-11. So let's just go ahead and discuss that for one minute. Do you realize that we are still learning things about what happened on 9-11? The terrible event happened September 11th, 2001. The commission to look into 9-11 was established on November 27th, 2002, 442 days after that attack. And their final report was issued on July 26th, 2004. In this situation, the event happened on January 6th, 2021. They had an article of impeachment filed in the House of Representatives on January 13th. The Senate held hearings and voted and acquitted on February 13th. In just over a month, all of this was done. Yet people are still awaiting much needed relief from the real problems we face in this country, we have people who are not able to work because things are closed down. We need a stimulus package passed. Maybe we can disagree on how big that needs to be. We have a lot of different things we can talk about, but my point is that in a period of 38 days, they made this rash decision. An example of things we have already found out after they rushed through this. Just two examples. We now know that the Capitol Police requested National Guard help prior to January 6th. That request was denied by the Speaker and the Sergeant at Arms. During the attack, the Capitol Police made the request again. It took over an hour to get approval from the speaker's team. Another example, or we were initially told that on January 6th, 
there were two bombs placed outside of the DNC headquarters and the RNC headquarters in Washington, D.C. as a part of the events on January 6th. The FBI has since then announced that those bombs were not placed during the events on January 6th and that they were placed there on the evening of January 5th. Again, those people need to be found and prosecuted. No ifs, ands, or buts. I have no tolerance for that. But what that does mean is those bombs weren't parked, put there, sorry, weren't put there as a part of any incitement from any speech given on the 6th, which then led to an impeachment. I could list more, but that's just two very quick examples. And we are going to be learning more and more about this in the months and probably years to come. My point being that this was a rushed action based solely on feelings, not facts, feelings. My point is that, yes, the events of January 6th were terrible, but we need to take a step back and go through a complete investigation before we accuse anybody of anything. We still have due process in this country, and you should be entitled to that no matter who you are. We seem to have forgotten that. Or is it really just due process as long as we like you? Is that the direction we are going? It's a very, very dangerous place to be. We have people who were simply in the city that day and nowhere near the Capitol building being put on lists to get extensive checks in TSA when they want to fly. We have a bank that has given the authorities a list of people that simply use their cards in that area. Just being in Washington, D.C., at a rally does not mean that you are in any way a bad person. Not at all. We cannot group in a couple hundred thousand people with a couple hundred who did bad things. That is not fair. That is what they want us to to do, though. Now, I went back and I listened to the entire speech for myself, not clips of it. I'm not taking someone else's opinion and making it mine. I listen to it in its entirety for myself. I also read a readout, a transcript, you would say, of the speech. I encourage you to do the same so that you're not taking my word for it. I will say it was too long. It was very long. It covered a lot of things that I'm sure a lot of people did not like. Hey, even some that I would say I didn't necessarily care for, but it was not insightful. I'm going to read just a few portions of it. We are going to walk down to the Capitol, and we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. We're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them, because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength, and you have to be strong. We have to demand that Congress do the right thing and only count the electors who have been lawfully slated, 
lawfully slated. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. So we're going to. We're going to walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. I love Pennsylvania Avenue. And we're going to the Capitol and we're going to try and give. The Democrats are hopeless. They're never voting for anything, not even one vote. But we're going to try and give our Republicans, the weak ones, because the strong ones don't need any of our help, we're going to try and give them the kind of pride and boldness that they need to take our country back. So let's walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. I want to thank you all. God bless you and God bless America. Thank you all for being here. This is incredible. Thank you very much. Thank you. So let's just take those two things. Anytime you're in Washington, D.C., and I've been blessed to be a part of one very large um, March for Life, I think the estimates were around 500,000. I'm not sure, but in the same area where he was gathered, where he was speaking, was where we sat through a variety of speakers and performers, and then everybody there goes from that spot and they walk. We walked past the Capitol building up to the Supreme Court. And then once you get there and they've seen you, they've heard you, everybody just goes their own separate ways. It happens every year. These things go on in Washington, D.C. all the time. Asking people to walk down to the Capitol and let your voices be heard we're going to cheer for some. We're not going to cheer for others. We're going to peacefully and patriotically make our voices heard. There's nothing wrong with saying that we're going to walk to the Capitol and we're going to make our voices heard. If so, then when I went to the March for Life and when I peacefully made my voice heard and my presence known, that would mean I was in the wrong and I did nothing wrong. I stood up for life. We should all stand up for life. But looking back over the last four years or so, I don't want to get off on that tangent. That'd be another story for another day. But looking back over the last four years or so, I've heard many speeches from some on the other side that literally called for violence, literally. One example, Maxine Waters. If you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out, you create a crowd, and you push back on them, and you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. That's a quote. That is just one example. There are several I could quote for you, but I will not. I want to make it known, I'm not an apologist. I am critical of former President Trump when I need to be. Most of the time, some of his words drive me crazy. I would not say them, but that does not mean that he incited anyone to do anything. We should be very careful how we judge people or try to hold them accountable for the actions of bad actors, of bad people. Very careful. You know, 
I have said some things that I should not have. Obviously, I don't have the platform that some do, but still, my words, my actions, my behaviors have been completely unacceptable at times, but I am not defined by them in everything that I do forever. Maybe some will judge me forever because of some of those behaviors, especially behaviors as racetrack midi, but I've apologized to many people. I have really fixed my reactions to things in ways that even I am shocked that I was able to do. In fact, one of the people that I had the biggest problems with is someone that I am now friendly with. We're not defined only by our past. I'm thankful for God's grace. I'm thankful for that specific individual that accepted my apology and he treats my family and I very well now, that's the point I'm trying to make. I would like us all to remember that a Republican representative, Steve Scalise, was literally shot and suffers to this day from that gunshot wound. And we do not blame Bernie Sanders because it was one of his supporters that shot him, as we should not, that was proper. My point is that we need to treat things the same across the board, the letter after your name, or how we vote should not determine how you're treated, how you're held accountable, or how you are judged. Just because someone may not have liked the speech, that does not make it a hate speech. It was not a hate speech. The speech did not call for violence. He literally said, peacefully and patriotically, make our voices heard. He referenced several times voices. Make your voice heard. Very clearly, there is a difference between hate speech and the speech that you hate. Let's take a step back. Let's just put, put aside orange man bad. I know that they want us to say that the word fraud is bad. Don't discuss that. You'll be canceled. I personally listened to hours of testimony myself out of the states of Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona. I read through many many affidavits. There were about a thousand, but I, I read many. No, I couldn't read all of them, obviously. But those were made, the affidavits were made under penalty of perjury. So those people signed stating that what they said was true and accurate and that it was done under penalty of perjury Listen, they don't want us to talk about that. They don't want to admit that. They don't want it discussed. Fine. But like I said, let's take a step back. We're going to put Orange Man Bad to the side. And we're going to go about it in a different direction. The direction nobody else wants to take you. I personally don't think that this is about him 
or his speech. I think that's the excuse they are making. I think it's important to recognize that. This is about his supporters, 70 plus million people. They want the 70 plus million people to feel that they are the problem. Let's just be honest for a few minutes. A very large chunk of that 70 plus million people are Christians that love God. We recognize that we get our freedoms from God, not any man. Or at least that's how it should be. Those 70 plus million people do not look for approval from a man, let alone a politician. And I believe the real problem here is that they fear that. To the left, this is something of a spiritual war. Their tactic is information warfare. They want to fill the narrative with doom and gloom. They want everything to be darkness. There are especially three things under attack from the forces of darkness, as we'll call it. Our government, our churches, and our education system. We have to be honest and realize that this is a form, for lack of a better word, of warfare. Not the typical kind of warfare, but it's an informational warfare. We are Christians. We look to God. The evil today wants to eliminate our belief in a higher power. They want a one world order. And you'll hear those words said, but more likely you'll hear the words build back better. Do a Google search of that. One world order and build back better. They have a vision that if we're all under one world order, that it will stop wars and we will live in some form of utopia. That is not going to happen. What they forget and what they don't take into consideration is that we are humans. And there will always be a few things because we are humans. Number one, there will always be powers of darkness. Satan isn't going anywhere, and he has lots of helpers out there. And there will always be greed. We are humans, and we are greedy. What can we do? First, we have to recognize that there is a problem. We have to see with clarity. Look through your spiritual eyes and do not see a certain politician as our enemy. Be honest about who the enemy is and who the enemy is not. We need to commit to God, me and you. Make that commitment strong again. It's really pretty simple. We make it difficult. We have to have a revolution inside of our hearts. Ask God to let you see through clearer eyes that do not use a dislike or hate for any one person as our guide. And no, I do not mean an actual revolution. Please be clear on that. We have to play by the rules, by the laws, obviously. You know that football has rules, but inside of those rules, inside of those lines, you can be really effective. You can really enforce some authority, give it your all. We need to play by the rules, but we cannot quietly and safe 
we play to the point that we do nothing. Christians have literally stayed silent. We go to sleep, we stay silent, and then we wake up and realize one day that as Christians we are in a fight and we have no idea how we got there. Well, we got there because we were asleep. We need to learn to play to the line within the rules, absolutely, but there's a lot of room for us to do a lot more than we have been. They cross the line constantly because they have no consequences. We don't need to cross any lines to make our point. We can do it with kindness and grace, all while playing within those lines. We need to go to that line and do it with confidence. I think we have gotten to this point and we didn't realize the situation we are in as Christians because we didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And we wanted to stay silent. Besides, it's not our battle. I've heard it said, we know where we're going, right? We know who our Savior is. We know who our King is. We get so bold that we become silent. It's kind of a selfish way to look at it, to be honest. Of course we know, but it's our job to teach others so that they know as well. We aren't supposed to do what we do for us. Yeah, I'm good. I know where I'm going. I hope I know where I'm going. I know who my king is. But that's a good feeling. It's a, it's a good feeling to have that knowledge that no matter what you know who your God is you know that you're going to be okay we should want to share that feeling with others I heard Rabbi Sparrow say that it is our job to be a shining city on a hill it's our honor to be the shining city on the hill in the words of Jenna Ellis let us always keep on standing up standing firm and speaking truth. Closing with a little bit of humor like I told you we would. You'll find that I love the book of Genesis. I know that a lot of people, their favorite books of the Bible are Proverbs and mine is I love to study in Genesis. And we'll get into Genesis a time or two, I would say. But in the beginning, God created the earth and rested. Then God created man and rested. Then God created woman. Since then, neither God nor man has rested. <laughs> Always remember that you may be the first and only interaction that someone has today with kindness, peace, and love. Make it count. Until next time.